Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, we have a true legend from the world of sports journalism. He's also one of my mentors, very near and dear to my heart. And he joins myself and Bruce in a moment. But first, Darlene, you got to make this one count because you know I'm running for all of us. Let's run it! Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. Thanks, Darlene. In the world of sports journalism, George Solomon is a giant and a very near and dear friend and mentor um, as the assistant managing editor for the sports section at the Washington Post from 1975 to 2003, he nurtured the careers and oversaw the work of some of America's best sports writers. And I mean that, seriously. Mike Wilbon, Sally Jenkins, J.A. Adande, and David Aldridge, Christine Brennan are just a few of the journalists who worked for George. He was inducted into well, the Washington... You, if, Monica, if you leave out Kornheiser, he's gonna, you're going to ruin his week, if not his month. Oh my gosh, you're right. We got to get Kornheiser in there. (laughs) Um, He was inducted into the Washington Sports Hall of Fame six years ago this month, and he was my professor at the University of Maryland when I was working on my master's degree. George, welcome. What a list of people. And I am thrilled to be one of the folks that was blessed by your tutelage. Well, you're on that list, Monica, and it uh, it was a pleasure having you in the at the University of Maryland, and it's a pleasure seeing your career progress. Thanks, George. I really appreciate you making time for me. So our producer, Bruce, has this wonderful question that just jumped off the page when I saw it, and I can't wait to hear your perspective. If you were still running at the sports section, at the Post, what in the world would you be telling your reporters to do right now? Well, I think the Post, under uh, Matt Vita, has been doing some very, very good uh, sports writing. I mean, now, you know, first of all, they've got the section tucked in behind style, which would, you know, kill me. But then, you know, you know, they're doing the best thing for the newspaper because the newspaper, the majority of the paper is national news covering the uh, coronavirus. And, uh, you know, but I think the the, the sports journal has been really good, whether it's uh, the columns by Sally Jenkins, Thomas Boswell, Barry Saluga, uh, Jerry Brewer. The columns have been very good on the events of the day. Uh, Dave Shinen's done a really good job on covering Major League Baseball. Jesse Doherty on the Nationals. So, you know, it's done a good job. And Les Carpenter and Sam Fortier on the, on the Redskins. They've done very, very well. I mean, the NFL seems to be the only sport of all the sports uh, just plugging ahead and almost as business as usual with a late April draft uh, 
that's going to be held as scheduled, but without fans. So I think that, you know, the Post and the New York Times and the Baltimore Sun and USA Today, to, to name just a few of the newspapers I've been looking at, have been doing a really good job of sports writing in, you know, in a very difficult period. There's no sports. You can say that again. We are all certainly missing our sports. I mean, so the general conversation on with all of our guests is what have you been doing during this time? Well, uh, unfortunately, and you can relate to this, Monica, uh, I, I taught my first class of the, of the uh, spring semester online. Uh, this was Monday. So we, you know, we, we work online and tonight uh, on the, for the Povich Center, we have a, uh, a virtual panel discussion on sports in during the the time of the COVID uh, uh, virus, and uh, Kevin Blackstone is going to moderate a panel of alums that includes David Ofusi and Jimmy uh, Jimmy Roberts and uh, Bonnie Bernstein, and uh, uh, so it it should be really really good. So we're doing we're doing stuff. We certainly. Uh, we had a faculty meeting today in which we took a look at what we've done, what we're going to do uh, the rest of the spring semester. Unfortunately, and you can really appreciate this, the spring commencement has been uh, canceled. It's going to be online, <clears throat> and you know, and that's you know that's terrible because you work four years, sometimes five years. I had one student who worked seven years to get an undergraduate degree, and as well as the master's degrees. And this is all very, very difficult. And, uh, you know, people work, you know, for for years to try to get that degree. And it means a lot. And it was always, always one of my favorite times, favorite days of the year to see our our students get degrees. George, this is uh, Bruce, uh, Monica's uh, loyal sidekick and producer. now, I'm in my early 60s, okay? And I know that you're a few years older than me. In your opinion, is this coronavirus the biggest story of our lifetime? Well, uh, Bruce, uh, I was born in 1940. Uh, and uh, when I was uh, five years old, and, you know, I, I do remember some aspects of it, World War II ended. And uh, that was a different catastrophe than this and uh you know certainly a different event with you know the world war ii had a good ending but hundreds of thousands of soldiers were lost uh you know uh, it, it was a world war and you know europe was just you know pretty much destroyed and had to be rebuilt and uh, that was big and then 9 11 was huge and you know you know, those two events and this event are certainly uh, the most, you know, important events of, of my lifetime. Is there, do you, do you see our society changing in a profound way as a result of what we're going through right now? Because we don't know how it's going to end yet. We know it's going to end at some point. We don't know how. But what changes do you see in our future as a result of us all having gone through this together? Well, I think uh, during this period, I think uh, Americans are bonding together and uniting more than they have in, you know, in, in years. So I think that 
you know, in a way is a plus. Now you're looking at an election uh, supposedly coming up in November, you know, will that, you know, cause, you know, the friction that was, you know, uh, the acrimonious friction that, you know, was part of the culture uh, in the last several years, we'll see. Uh, you know, obviously President Trump is, you know, a person who divides passions. And I'm being kind when I say that, but, you know, most people either like him or don't. And, uh, you know, how, you know, is this affecting, uh, is the current crisis affecting how people look at the president? And I'm sure some people think he's doing a great job. Some people do not. And, uh, you know, but he'll be judged on how he handles this. Man, we are definitely, it's almost like roadkill when we get the 6 p.m. pressers for me. Like, you're watching, but it's not pretty, but you can't help but look and you kind of need to know. It has been quite the row here in terms of watching our leadership function with all that. But anyway, George, I want to ask you about what you think um, the leaders of the pro sports leagues, how do you think or possibly fathom that some of these things might get handled? I actually heard Kevin Love yesterday on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah discussing the NBA season and how, how the NBA players, coaches, owners, they really don't want to lose the entire season. But what does that even look like moving forward? Do you think that we will see sports return without fans for a period? Because it's not like it's just going to be a green light and everybody can just go back to events and large gatherings. Well, you know, I think the 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 country, you know, the leaders of the country are hopeful for a resolution of by the end of April. If it's not the end of April, it'll be the end of May. And then, you know, will there be half a baseball season? Will be will there be any NBA playoffs? Will be any NHL playoffs? And those are looking more downfall. Uh, what about Major League Soccer? We don't even know about that. Uh, Wimbledon, which has only canceled twice, and that was <clears throat> during World Wars One and Two, uh, today canceled. And uh, the whole the whole tournament. Now, you know, is it possible for the NHL, say, to put out, you know, a uh, a, a tournament at the end, you know, say in uh, late May, June? And that would stretch into early July. Uh, what about Major League Baseball? Could they get a half a season in, and would it be worthwhile? The NBA, you know, could they do something like uh, March Madness, where everybody gets in the uh, gets in a tournament and you know play it out? You know, it could do that, and Major League Soccer could do the same thing. Uh, you you could have that. Um, you know, uh, the the triple crown races have been moved to the fall. You know, you could make adjustments if you wanted, and if it's safe for the athletes, you know, and safe for people to go to the games. I don't think, and I could be wrong about this, they'll have games without fans. Mm, I don't know, George. What do you think, Bruce? Well, you know, it's funny because my next question was going to, kind of be that was actually a very good segue because i know for me personally until there's a vaccine that's developed that can prevent the disease as was the case with the polio vaccine i can't see myself attending a game with thousands of other spectators do you feel like that's going to be a widely held feeling among sports fans well first of all i'm not a doctor that's number one and i'm not one of the scientists who are doing 
you know, uh, you know, a solid job of trying to assess and, and create an atmosphere where people can feel safe. Right now, you know, all, you know, all you can do is take a little walk, or you can, you know, you try to uh, social distance yourself, and it's a, a pretty difficult thing. You know, millions of people have lost their jobs. There's a financial crisis in the country. And, uh, you know, how important is sports? And, uh, you know, during World War II, baseball, even though most of the stars of baseball during World War II went into the service, if not to fight, but at least to entertain the troops in playing service baseball. Um, you know, you know, you don't know. And, and, and you know, you know, when, when you, you know, like, for instance, the Povich Center has a camp uh, that's a week-long camp. And I think, Monica, you've been to it, yep. you know, as a mentor and as a, you know, counselor and instructor on these, this camp. It's from July 6th for a week. Now, is it safe to have the camp? And that's a decision you know, above my pay grades where, uh, the you know, the people who run the University of Maryland life have to make that decision. My sense of it is summer camps is something that will be discontinued for a year, not just, you know, at the University of Maryland, but, you know, the majority of summer camps probably will not go on as scheduled. I would think that I'm sorry. I, I was going to say I would think that parents would be really, really reluctant to, to to let their kids go into any kind of like crowded situations for a good long time. Well, by July 6, I think many parents will pay double the money to get their kids out of the house. So <laughs> I say that chess, but it's it's getting pretty tight with you know with parents and their children right now. And you can imagine that, but uh, you know, I, I I can see where you know that could that could be a problem. And you know, look, caution is the best way to go about this. And sure. and, and and you, you can't be wrong if you if you're cautionary in how you do this. And certainly, if for instance a good lo, you know close to home example, if they say please no summer camp. Uh, the Povich Center would be the first one to agree, and you know, let's postpone it for a year. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot to consider. Now, I do think it's funny. I did not click this earlier today, but you mentioned um, the NFL holding their draft on schedule. I know the WNBA is going to do their draft virtually. As big a deal as this virus is, not just nationally but globally, there is sort of still some relief that we do have a little bit of sports contact, or even that we get to see our favorite pro sports athletes slash celebrities kind of navigating this just like we are. And I know different um, outlets and entities are doing a lot with like people's different home videos and stuff. Have you seen anything that's caught your attention from like athletes at home or where are you on social media these days, George? <laughs> Monica, you know where I am on social media, you know, full well where I am on social media media i can operate a computer barely and you know but what i do is i i, I surf uh, uh you know, surf the television and uh they're running races on there's there's a uh, a horse racing channel and they're running races from you know tracks in you know at gulfstream in south florida 
and they're running races in Louisiana, and there are no fans in the stands, but then there are no fans in the stands at most horse tracks anyway, or very few, I should say. And, you know, people are watching, and they can make a bet. And, you know, life does go on, and it's just, you know, people are looking for diversion. And, uh, you know, Netflix, which, you know, you know, I, I'd like to see the, uh, t- uh, you know, the ratings on Netflix and Amazon Prime, you know, in the last month. I mean, they're skyrocketing probably because people have nothing to do. We have to turn off the news at some point. Otherwise, we'll all just go into this like spiral of depression going down, down, down. So Netflix has been our salvation. I highly recommend Ozark, by the way, if you uh, are looking for a Netflix binge watch. But anyway. Well, um, there's also, uh, it's continuing in sports. They're showing a lot of uh, uh, games from past years. And like uh, uh, Masson was showing the 1983 uh, Baltimore Orioles American League Championship. uh, I think it was game five in which, uh, or no, it was game four, in which the Orioles beat the uh, uh, White Sox three games to one. And, uh, you know, and it was, you know, you, you watched it. And then, and starting tomorrow, uh, Masson is showing uh, the Nationals a run to the World Series, but only the games that they won, you know, which is, you know, it's good. It'll be a diversion. And, uh, and the... Uh, both the NHL Network and Ma- and Masson, not Masson, and uh, you know Washington Sports have been showing the Capitals playoff run. A lot of those games from uh, uh, 2018, that magical run, they've been showing those games, and they're terrific to watch. Now, and you're right. I mean, you can only watch the news so long. Although uh, I can't stop watching the news so it's uh you know it's it's a it's a real decision you have to make but again i feel bad for parents of young children who are looking to you know they're trying to keep their kids active trying to get their kids to do do their schoolwork online and those are challenges parents have right now i was hoping you were going to say they were replaying the final four game series of the 1982 season with the brewers and the orioles where you'll remember the Orioles won the first three games and then the Brewers won it on the last game of the season when Robin Yount hit two home runs. I actually covered that series with the late, great Lou Palmer. I was doing baseball for ESPN back then. But I digress. Well, I that, was, that was a great game. That was a great game. And it might have been, wasn't it Earl Weaver's last game? And I think it was. Uh, and, the- uh, and, and Pete Vukovic pitched it for Milwaukee. I can't remember who started for the Orioles in that final game, it wasn't Jim Palmer. I thought I thought I thought it was uh, I thought it was Palmer against uh, 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 who were the who was the I thought uh, it was Brewer I thought it was Ace. Pete Vukovic. Pete Vukovic no, won the Cy Young. It was, it was Don Sutton. It was Don Sutton. You got yeah. it. It was Don Sutton against Palmer, and it was a classic game. And uh, you know, Eddie Murray uh, had a chance to win it for the Orioles late. Uh, couldn't couldn't get it done and you know it was a great game and you you know those are terrific to replay but you know enough already with the replays uh, <laughs> if people want to see some live action yeah monica doesn't want to hear two old guys talking about baseball on her show anyway right monica 
basketball podcast, gentlemen. Let's bring it on home. <laughs> Do you think? Have you? Had, did you catch any of the the Joe Buck doing play by play of people playing wiffle ball and doing their dishes in the kitchen? That was some pretty no, creative that, work by know, Joe. That, that that I that I didn't see. Uh, what I did what what I did see was. Uh, uh, MLB uh, Network is putting on uh, great games of the past, and I saw, you know, I've now seen four times of, uh, you know, of the home run uh, off, uh, you know, the, the Dodger home run in 1982, uh, and, and the name escapes me right now, and I'll think of it in a minute, uh, that won the game, game one of the World Series for the Dodgers. And you know you 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 seeing all these games now, and they're memorable. Monica, get us back to basketball, would you please? <laughs> they are memorable. George <laughs> has so many fans. Okay, well, well, basketball. You saw the whole uh, University of Maryland run to the NCAA championship. Uh, on, you know, that's been both uh, the Big Ten Network has put that on and uh, Washington Sports has put that on, and those were memorable games. Absolutely. Absolutely. For sure, for sure. All right, George. Well, I and don't... I, wait a minute. I also saw a Georgetown Hoya uh, a championship game, and that was a classic, too. Of and course. You know, they've, they've been great games. Yeah, I, th- I think it's been smart um, by CBS to bring back some of those classics, but you know, our attention span as a collective these days has changed so much. But I digress. The other thing I want to make sure that we mention on this pod, actually, it was funny, George. Last week, Rachel McNair was on with me, and we both got momentarily emotional thinking about you. This year, you are retiring from your post at the Povich Center at the University of Maryland. Um, April 1st would have been your celebration, if not for all of these things. But when you look back, George, just I mean, you've had such a tremendous career. But let's, let's stick with the Povich Center in particular. What are you most proud of in regards to that? Well, that's easy to say. I mean, you know, uh, both at the Povich Center and uh, my teaching for 17 years in the Maryland College at the University of Maryland is working with great students like yourself and, you know, and trying to help the students shape a career in uh, sports journalism and sports broadcasting has been extremely satisfying and you know and you know and and i also had the uh the luxury of working with the povich family on the povich center which we started in 2011 but i've been with the college for 17 years and uh you know through uh actually uh, uh four deans and it's been extremely rewarding after an almost 40-year career at the Washington Post, Post, which doesn't get any better if you're going to be a newspaper person. Man, were you at all hesitant when you decided to go the educational route? Like, was that always the plan? No, you know, it came upon because the uh, assistant dean at the University of Maryland um, Merrill College, a guy named Chris Callahan, who is now at Arizona State as the dean of the, of the uh, school of uh, Cronkite School of Journalism, uh, he and I were talking, and he said, "Would you like to try it?" And I said, "Absolutely," and I did try it, and I I enjoyed it immensely. We've had great students, you know, many of them are doing terrific in all areas of. Uh, 
uh, of uh, journalism and broadcasting and all these other aspects of life. And it's been extremely rewarding. But the students were the key, Monica, and people like yourself, who, uh, you know, you, you felt you could help them a little bit and also teach them. And, uh, you know, te- teaching has been very, very rewarding. It's George. been so horrible to have you in my corner, George. And you know that. And I will sing that to the mountains high and the valleys low. I'm sorry, Bruce. Go ahead. No, I just I just want to ask George. I mean, George, you've been known as a champion of women and minorities in the sports journalism business. Could you just kind of tell us why this is so important to you? Well, first of all, it's the right thing to do. You look at your you look at your audience and, you know, you know, more than 50 percent of your audience are women. And you try to be, uh, uh, you know, try to promote diversity because. That's the right thing to do. And one thing at the Washington Post uh, is under Ben Bradley and then Len Downey. And then, you know, the, the owners were Catherine Graham and then Donald Graham. You, they, they expected you to be fair and, you know, create a diverse staff and have, uh, you know, African-Americans, women, uh, you know, all different kinds of people because those are your readers. And those are your athletes and those are your participants. And that's what you wanted to do. And, you know, you you also got to be a little lucky. You know, we had great people who uh, worked for us and uh, who worked with us. And uh, I was very, very fortunate. And uh, uh, Dean Douglas had me be the commencement speaker last December. And then she said, well, what are you going to talk about? And I said, i I don't know whether to do my Lou Gehrig, I'm the luckiest man on the face of the earth, or Douglas MacArthur's speech uh, to the Corps of Cadets uh, when he retired. So uh, I'm a I'm a lucky guy. You and I both have ESPN in our background. You, of course, were the first ombudsman for ESPN, and I was a coordinating producer and a producer there for over 30 years. And ESPN was well in front of the curve when it came to diversity and inclusion. And I remember George Bodenheimer said one time, uh, I think we were in one of those town hall meetings on campus or whatever, and somebody asked him about that topic. And he said, he said, it's just, uh, in other words, the importance of diversity and inclusion. He said, it's just good business. Well, it's good business and it's the right thing to do. And, you know, I, I look at the, uh, the burgeoning websites and the whole world of internet. And, uh, you know, when I, I look at today's journalism, well, today's journalism newspapers are just trying to hang on. And uh, because the, you know, the whole business of news is changing. And, you know, and the internet, you know, is not as diverse as, as it should be, but it will be. And, uh, you know, but I hope they speed it up a little bit. Because, it, you know, there's some really good uh, websites out there. And now I see The Athletic, which is, you know, uh, one of my favorite sites. David Aldridge is the uh, uh, Washington, D.C. editor of The Athletic uh, with Greg Lee as his deputies. And these are two great guys, both of whom, by the word, by the way, worked at The Washington Post. And now they're, you know, in, in senior editing positions for The Athletic. And these are, you know, great people, and, you you know, you, you, you want to get great people doing important work 
who are diverse. Yeah. Yeah. I completely, completely agree with that, um, George. Um, okay, so you've obviously been in the game a long time and you've seen sports evolve and diversity grow, but there's still room to grow. What do you hope to see in the business of sports media in the next five to 10 years? Well, you know, I'm very concerned with the future of sports media. And, you know, because the number of newspapers have declined dramatically in the last five years, you know, more than 2,000 have closed. And, uh, you know, it used to be that, you know, the the, the newspapers were a vibrant place to get into the business of sports journalism. And, you know, that's becoming, you know, narrower, but you've got burgeoning websites like The Athletic, Yahoo Sports, SB SB Nation, uh, The Overtime. You've got so many different aspects. You just hope they grow. You hope people support them. Uh, You hope they, you know, they they create, generate uh, diversity in their staffs. And you hope uh, that people still value news and still value sports. Yeah. So anyway, George, I I only have one more question. I I don't know if Monica has anything else, but I'm just curious. What are some of the lessons that we all learned from sports that are really helping us and helping our society right now? Well, you know, the, the, the biggest lesson is, is that, you know, Sports are fair. You know, you either score the most points, you, you're, you're the fastest, you, you, you jump the highest, you hit the longest ball. But sports are fair, and, and uh, you know, and the you know, like you look at the Nationals, you know, who just barely won the wild card game, and then they go and uh, defeat the Dodgers in the uh, uh, for you know in the semifinals of the National League. Uh, championship series then they beat the sweep the cardinals in four games to win to win the uh, national league and then they go play the houston astros they're another story as well but you know <laughs> they play the houston astros win the first two games then they get swept here and all houston has to do is win uh one of the last two games but the the nationals win them both and that doesn't happen to to washington teams and you know Howie Kendrick hits a line drive that hits the foul pole that puts the Nationals ahead in the seventh inning of the of, uh, of Game Seven of the World Series in Houston. Howie Kendrick, you know, who barely had a job when the season began, wins the World Series, and those provide a lot of thrills. And it's you know it, what you know you 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 know Houston had a great team. But the Nationals won, and that makes it so much fun. But the, the the great thing about sports is you're judged by how well you do on the field, on the basketball court, uh, on the on the ice, whatever. And you know that, that's what makes sports great. You're you're judged by how you perform. Well said, George. Um, I thank you so much for your time. Obviously, for today's podcast, and then just in general. So many people, and I'm privileged to be one of them, people whose careers you touched and supported. I swear, Bruce, this was what George used to tell us all the time in grad school. He's like, just go break a story. Go break a story, then everybody will want you. <laughs> he just said it so like it's, um, it's pretty simple. You know, it's pretty simple. And it's, uh, you know, 
get a story that no one else has and you'll get a job. And I always tell investigative, potential investigative sports reporters, if you could investigate a story that's really, really important, like the two guys did for the athletic, uh, Kenny Roosevelt, one of them, on the cheating by the uh, Houston Astros in uh, 2017, you know, those two guys will get a job. They'll have a job forever. And uh, But enjoy your work. And it, it was a pleasure talking to both of you guys. Thanks, George. Stay well. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Thank you, thank you a bunch of times over to my mentor, George Solomon, for spending some time with us on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. Thanks to my producer and loyal sidekick, Bruce Bernstein, for holding things down as only he can. Thanks also to our fantastic editor, Ben Wolfen, for all of his efforts. Although life is on hold for the sports world and we all can feel it, Pure Hoops Media continues with our five weekly shows. This week's Mike Wise Show features ESPN's Tim Legler with his thoughts on many topics, including the importance of teamwork during a crisis. Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams has former Tennessee Lady Vol, Dr. Sarah Edwards, who was on the front lines of fighting the COVID-19 virus as an emergency room physician in North Carolina. It is a remarkable interview that puts so many things into perspective. Catch and Shoot 2.0 has a new show with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin that dropped on Wednesday. On Friday, BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman will have a new episode of the Pure Hoops podcast. And I'm back each Thursday with a brand new edition of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. Please check out all of our shows, download, rate, review, and most of all, enjoy. Please say a prayer for all of our brave healthcare workers who are the real superheroes of our society. Also send one up for leadership that the right decisions will be made. And make sure you treat each other well, wash your hands, and until next time, wherever you can find them, enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. 